Good afternoon, Koto listeners. You are tuned in to KOTO Telluride. It is noon on Thursday, and we are here for our weekly COVID noon update. I am joined by a very special guest. We have Dr. Sharon Grundy, the county medical officer and a physician at the Telluride Regional Medical Center. Um, I will say we do not have a Spanish interpretation today. All of our interpreters are busy doing very important other mm-hmm. things that they do in this community. So um, we apologize for that, but we're going to keep going with Dr. Grundy and I'm just going to pass the mic to you to start off. And are there any updates or things that you would like our listeners to hear as it relates to COVID? Yeah. Thanks, Julia. Um, I guess I'm sure people are wondering, like, what are we all thinking about this variant from South Africa? Uh, are we concerned and what, what's our perspective? So we remain, so it was November 30th that um, the CDC considered it a, a variant of concern. So it, there's kind of a scale uh, that they follow of watching different variants of this coronavirus and when does it become of concern. And there's kind of four or five traits that kind of switch um, gets everybody's attention. Um, And so we're looking to see if there's evidence of increased transmissibility. So is it spread easier, kind of like the Delta variant? That's what we noted. Is it more severe disease? So does it cause more hospitalizations or death? Is there a significant reduction in the neutralization of antibodies generated during previous infection or vaccine? So are we seeing protection from having had the illness? or having had the vaccine, or is it, is it um, hiding or getting past the immune system? And then is there a reduced effectiveness of vaccines uh, or is there a problem with our being able to diagnose it? So can it miss our lab tests? And that's how they actually picked it up is they, they were getting positive coronavirus tests, but part of the test remain blank and so that gave them this um the suspicion that um there might be a variant going on that has a part of the spike protein that wasn't getting picked up on standardized tests um so yeah so that's where we're at with that we are now seeing it the state of colorado is one of the 20 states that has seen this variant uh it's up in the boulder area arapahoe county there are two individuals and then it's in a low a uh, low percentage of wastewater, um, per, like as they're looking at the kind of the virus particles and wastewater in different counties. So it's here um, and we'll probably kind of see more of it as time goes on. What we don't know is the answers to those questions. So that's why we're watching it uh, closely to see. You know, and I think that that is, it's hard to answer right now mm-hmm. <laughs> because we don't have a lot of information but you know it kind of goes back to like should we as a community should be should we be worried obviously covid is not good in general yeah <laughs> but is there should we be taking extra measures that maybe feel different from what maybe we would have been doing kind of in our quote unquote normal delta variant world I I think we continue to do what we've been doing. So, you know, those reminders are please go get vaccinated if you haven't gotten vaccinated, because that is the foundational um, defense that we have about it for ourselves and for our community and the people we live around. 
Uh, so it decreases rates of transmission throughout communities. So go get vaccinated. If you haven't gotten vaccinated, go get a booster. We're up to 2,550 people having gotten a booster in the county. Uh, that's actually San Miguel County Public Health's numbers. So there's probably more to it uh, from, um, from UMC Clinic out in Norwood and the Med Center in Telluride and then also regional pharmacies. So we're doing a, I think San Miguel County is doing a great job of um, baseline immunizations and um, booster shots. But so it's that whole reminder, especially as we head into the holiday season and we wanna do gatherings. If you have symptoms, stop, stop, drop and roll. Just joking, <laughs> uh, stop, uh, stay home and maybe get tested. Like it's pretty easy now to go get a Binax nail test and have them at home uh, and just, hey, I'm gonna go to an event and I wanna make sure I'm not gonna infect anybody. Test yourself before you go. And let's all, I think it's so important for all of us to go be with each other in different environments and socialize and feel connected and belonging. Like right now, we've, we've hit that marker that we all really, really need that. Um, but stay home if you're sick, go get vaccinated. And you can always kind of do one of those little rapid tests right before you go. They're not perfect, but it just adds a layer of protection. Well, and on that note, maybe it's too soon to know, but do we have an understanding if those tests, which, you know, public health officials and medical officials have said are not as perfect mm -hmm. as maybe the ones that you're going to go and get at a clinic. Do these ones pick up? On they, they look like they are. So again, still in this very early stage of trying to figure it all out, but it does look like they are. And then the most of the, we think the immunizations, um, especially Pfizer and Moderna are going to give protection um, you know, already to the Delta variant, especially if you get a booster at that six month mark. This is maybe a silly question, but um, obviously mutations on, a, or a, mutations that create a variant can do a number of different things. And I feel like I've heard that with preliminary information that we have out, the this variant is maybe not actually as, potentially not as severe mm -hmm. in terms of illness. So is, is it plausible that you could have a variant that spreads way more quickly, which isn't great? Mm -hmm. And so it becomes the, the primary variant, but actually is less harmful if you get it? Like, is that something that's like, yeah, that could happen and make a sense? Absolutely. That's probably how nature likes to work best, right? So a virus that is really pathological, that kills a high percentage of people, actually won't spread that far because the vector there or their place to replicate like a virus actually wants to replicate and grow and spread so it's going to want like its um organism of choice to live a little bit longer so it can continue to grow and spread so that theoretically uh, nature might actually push that way more so if that is true which again we don't know um, if it causes a very mild like illness, such as just a basic common cold with low hospitalization rates or complications, this may be, it, it could possibly be beneficial because then it's giving a lot of people a little um, priming their immune system to be able to fight off a Delta variant or a different variant of this specific coronavirus. 
Um, so we don't know, but like it's plausible that that could be an, if we want to do the glasses half full. <laughs> um, but again, we don't really know if we're seeing higher rates of severe illness yet. Yeah. But that would be nice. Well, so I mean, I guess that it is, might be our way out of is all that this. The, but is that, you know, that's probably that, what will happen eventually over the next kind of two to five years is you're going to see variations come out that maybe are less um, severe that give us some immunity. So that happens with influenza. So um, I can't remember what year it was, but we had a flu that circulated around, I think, 2010 or 2012, an influenza virus that people who were like above 70 probably had seen in their lifetime. So they actually had a little bit better immunity towards younger people. So it was a weird year because we were seeing um, younger people get hospitalized with this influenza because they had no, they had not seen that type of influenza before. So, well, that's how it sometimes can play out. So we'll have to see. A couple questions that kind of go in different directions, but, you know, so Grace Franklin, our public health director, she's the one who's really getting to make the the big decisions and, and say what those are. But obviously as county medical officer, mm-hmm. you are there to support and advise. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like where we are now with the restrictions that the indoor mask mandate, but other than that, that's most of the restrictions are gone. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like does that feel like a, a good path to be continuing down for the for the time being? Or should we potentially prepare for different types of restrictions, especially throughout the winter? Yeah, I, I, I think we're going to maintain it. This the big deal is going to be as to whether or not to continue, continue on the mask mandate. Um, you know, our it's not just about case numbers. It's also about this whole hospital capacity and healthcare capacity. So we've, the, our region and our state has been in a surge for over 10 weeks now. And we still, at this point, just recently, uh, an example would be the med center had to transfer a very critical person out and they had to call multiple places and the person was sent out of state because there was not an ICU bed available. So we still are teeter-tottering on this maximum capacity of especially ICU beds in the state. And, and so as we were about to venture into influenza season, so flu season, which always uh, puts a little strain on the healthcare system. And for us in our region, we are about to head into ski season, which we see these accidents and injuries that may need hospitalization and emergent surgery, med surge. Um, and so that's what we're also looking at is uh, regionally kind of not just the individual, but how can someone who Um, has a femur fracture or a stroke or a heart attack, did they have the availability to get the care that they need or are we maxing out the care in the region? It's, I mean, with so many things in relation to this public health crisis, obviously it is so much of what we're doing as an individual, um, but then also what the whole country, state, and world Mm -hmm. is doing. And so for folks who are in San Miguel County, where you've noted that we have really high vaccine uptake, people on the whole are doing what we should be doing. There's an element to which that's kind of frustrating, right? Of like, we're doing, we're doing it. (laughs) And so, you know, is there a way, is there things that we can do more, I guess? (laughs) Or like, how do we think think, through that? I think we've got to continue to each have, um, 
conversations with each other, especially people who um, might be very reluctant to have a vaccine. You know, like, hey, how can how can I meet that person where they are and have an intelligent conversation to maybe persuade them <laughs> into doing the right thing? I think we are headed towards. So a big tipping point was uh, Pfizer, you know, approved and the CDC and the EUA uh, was approved for Pfizer age five to 11. So we now have kind of this really broad range of coverage for um, people who to get vaccinated and to be able to prevent severe illness. So that got initiated about three weeks ago. Yesterday was the second um, the second dose of a Pfizer vaccine for that age group. Uh, we They had a clinic yesterday and then the buses uh, from CDPHE have been up and about vaccinating that age group. So we, we got to roll that on. So it's a week to two weeks after um, that second vaccine that you, these children have good immunity. Um, So we now have like a broad coverage for our community, keep kids in school so that they're not having to come out because of quarantine or isolation, that we probably can move forward. So I I think Grace's and my input was, let's get that on board. Let's give the community an opportunity to participate in immunizing Um, younger people. And after we get past this kind of stage through the holidays, I I think it will be moving towards like you, it's your choice as to whether or not you want to go to some crowded public event. Um, You know, if you're, if you're going to wear a mask at the post office, at the grocery store, we're just not quite there yet. Uh, So I think we want to head through the holidays with the number of people that come to visit us. We want to let kids get vaccinated in a time period, and then we can kind of move forward and out of this. Does that feel plausible to you, though, that um, with a mask mandate currently going through the end of January, does that feel like a reasonable, obviously, wait to see? We don't know yet, but like Uh that feels... I think that feels reasonable. It helps us... um, support certain businesses it also helps us support um the school systems in the area so that we again are one of our main foundational goals was to keep kids in school it was a really rough year for kids last year uh in and out in and out remote you name it uh so we've done a great job all three schools have done an excellent job and like that's a really important thing A, a lot of kids lost a lot last year So let's make sure we're doing something for that population. Earlier, you mentioned that obviously the the variant will or that COVID will continue to mutate and new variants will come out. And you said over the next two to five years, (laughs) which uh, it feels like we've been in this Mm -hmm. forever already. And the concept that it will continue, you know, potentially indefinitely is a little bit. I think we're Scary. at the, the juncture now that this is this uh, virus is here to stay, most likely. Again, I, I can't totally predict the future, but it looks like, you know, some, it's interesting, some viruses like the SAR uh, variant of this coronavirus uh, came and then disappeared. Zika kind of came and then has kind of disappeared. Um, and we don't have, I don't, I don't have a good explanation for that. This at this juncture, two years into it, uh, I think it's here to stay, and it's going to probably become uh, like an not just an influ you know influenza is very seasonal. Where this is probably not going to be as seasonal. It's more 
what we do. So as we move indoors, we're gonna see more um, transmission of this virus. We're in like Florida and Texas are warmer states. They all move outdoors during this time of year. We're in the heat of August, they're all indoor, everybody's indoors in air conditioning. So I think it really is kind of that high rates of transmission and what environments are conducive to that. And what do, obviously we have the, the three main things that public health's looking at for incident positivity and then hospital capacity kind of guiding mm-hmm. response. But what, similarly to how we have the flu every year and uh, vaccines are v- strongly recommended mm-hmm. as the flu season comes about, but we don't, well, you probably do more because you work in medicine, <laughs> but you know, as a general population, like we're not really thinking about the flu on a regular day-to-day basis throughout the year, what point do you think we need to get to for COVID to kind of have that same where it's like, yeah, we know it exists, but it's not actually mm-hmm. something that's really paying att- we're paying attention to on a regular basis? Um, so always it's a conundrum, a weird philosophical question, but we seem to be okay with the rates of influenza, which has like a 1.5% death rate per year. So it's anywhere from like 40,000 to 60,000 people a year die of influenza. So we seem to be okay with that number. Uh, (laughs) But but then that's with immunizing about 56% of the population. Like not everybody gets a flu shot. So if we didn't have a flu shot, like that number would be greater. And the flu shot's always a little iffy as to whether or not it's going to work on the variant that shows up for the season. So... um, that I think in some um, some people's mind thinking about this is like, hey, if we can get to a number around that, that's where I think public health would be comfortable and the healthcare system might be comfortable. Uh, but it, I, I think it's a moving target right now to see. I think we're expected, it's still, we're still at, I think I read yesterday at 12 or 1300 deaths a day in the United States from COVID-19. Um, that seems like a lot to me. And so that, that doesn't, I'm not comfortable with that number at this point. Yeah. Um, Dr. Grundy, I feel like we kind of moved through a couple different (laughs) areas in this conversation, which I appreciate. Um, is there anything else that you think is important for our listeners to know before we, we take off for the day? Um, so please, you can go to the San Miguel County website to look at, uh, their vaccine clinics. They, so on the website, it kind of tells you how to link up with either one of the CDPHE buses, uh, the clinics that San Miguel County will be offering, and then also the Uncompagre Medical Center and the Telluride Medical Center. And of course, you can always link and kind of find out which pharmacies regionally are also offering immunizations and booster shots. San Miguel County will be moving towards they have one of their last larger clinics coming up over the next couple of months. And then they're gonna kind of move to a scaled back kind of once a week, smaller clinic out of the public health office for boosters and kids. And then both clinics are offering, uh, Telluride Medical Center will be kind of onboarding Pfizer for kids. Uh, And then UMC has been doing so and there's uh, vaccines available. So I just highly recommend people get a booster. It's now recommended for 18 and above. Uh, so who's not to get a booster quite yet is the the 12 to 18 year old pop-
population. Uh, so we're kind of waiting to hear about that unless there's a 12 to 18 year old who's going through chemotherapy or is immunocompromised that that population was told to kind of get a booster. Um, so please check out immunizations. If you have someone that you know who doesn't want to get immunized and they're willing to kind of chat it up, <laughs> do so and see if we can kind of talk a couple more people into it. Um, stay home if you're sick and, um, you know, get tested if you need to. We still have testing going on. The county added back on the Q test, which is a rapid uh, molecular test. And they'll be, do I think they do that on Wednesdays. They have a little mobile unit down in Ilium because the test we were using was not approved above like 8,100 feet, which was really annoying. Uh, <laughs> so we had to move it down to Ilium. So um, Olivia and her team go down to do that once a week. Yeah, so um, anything else? And then we're, we're all watching this variant to see what happens. Again, I think it's too soon uh, to say, to, to really kind of say what's gonna happen. Hopefully, I'm gonna keep my fingers crossed that um, maybe we see it's, it's more transmissible, but it's not, doesn't cause more severe illness. Uh, and we'll just cross that bridge when it comes. We all know what to do. <laughs> That's true. We can all probably, you know, recite We're all mini like public health. <laughs> <laughs> recite the five commitments backwards in our sleep at this point. <laughs> yeah. And I think just, um, you know, ski seasons among us, be safe, wear a helmet, put your seatbelt on, watch out when you're walking on ice, <laughs> get some um, crampons. crampons. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, again, small gatherings. Uh, be respectful of people who um, might be at higher risk of this virus. So if you're going to a Christmas dinner, uh, maybe let the people know like, hey, I'm fully vaccinated, I'm asymptomatic so that they don't feel uncomfortable if they wanted to ask. I think we should be all comfortable with saying that out loud and so that people who might be worried about it, um, but are too polite to ask, uh, we should be able to ask. And, and we should be able to also say like, I can't have you over. I have my grandmother with me uh, for dinner and I need everybody to be immunized. Do you, I know that there have been folks who have been, you know, for larger gatherings saying, hey, we're just gonna have everybody test, mm -hmm. do a rapid test before we gather that day. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like that's a, that's a smart thing to do? I, or think, it's like, I it, think it's an okay thing to do. It's gonna not be perfect, but I think it's uh, better than, just letting letting it go, especially if there's um, people in the room who are high risk. Yep. Well, Dr. Grundy, thank you so much for stopping by and chatting yep. with us today. Koto listeners, thank you for tuning in. We will be back with our noon update next week. Again, you can always count on it. And coming up in about... Ooh, I don't know what's happening next. Coming up in... <laughs> At 1 p.m., we have Sister Seaweed. 3 p.m., it's New Orleans Road Trip with Lou Guru. And then at 5 p.m., All Things Considered. Thank you so much for tuning in to KOTO Telluride.